Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends get drunk and talk about gruesome murders. Each week we pick a different drink whose name or ingredients set the tone for our stories. What's up guys? Yo! Did you see that? I changed it. Oh. Instead of, hey, guys. I didn't catch that. Oh, I did. <laughs> I got real nervous. I was like, oh, we're changing things up. Episode 61. No, just me. Cool. <laughs> um, I'm having a hard time matching your energy today. You are amped. I know. Well, it's And I've like just been home all day, so I'm real mellow. It's because I didn't get any sleep last night. Mm. I was like up until four, and then I like kind of went into dreamland, and then and then not. You're in your exhausted delirium. Oh, and then I had coffee. <laughs> oh no! Oh, you don't, you shouldn't have coffee. No, but I had it in the morning. I know, but you shouldn't have coffee. I think I think maybe I couldn't sleep last night because I had green tea at like four yesterday. Is there's no caffeine in green tea? Are right? you serious? Yeah, one hundred percent. There's green. Tea. There's mm. caffeine. You could get green tea without caffeine. Um, isn't that what we have at work? No, that's caffeinated, baby. Okay. I mean, I'll believe you. To a coffee drinker, you might not notice it. And it's a slow burn. Anywho, you guys, we're not here to talk about tea. We're going to talk about cocktails. Um, This week's cocktail, we are doing the death in the afternoon. And boy, was it. Ugh, Jackie. Yuck. It was so bad. This one's not my fault. I didn't pick this one. I think... You n- great name. Great th- story. Yeah. Terrible drink. I think you nailed it on the head. I think... We don't like licorice. You have to like licorice. And um, they had absinthe in it. And so it was just nasty. It was just absinthe. Absinthe. <laughs> it was just absinthe. <laughs> <laughs> and champagne. Um, do you want me to tell you a little bit about the cocktail history? I would love you to. Okay. So the death in the afternoon, also called the Hemingway or the Hemingway champagne, mm. is a cocktail made up of absinthe and champagne. And it was invented by... Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway. Uh, the cocktail shares a name with Hemingway's book, Death in the Afternoon. Oh. And the recipe was published in So Red the Nose, or Breath in the Afternoon. And it's a 1935 cocktail book with contributions from famous authors. Great. I'm getting a lot of this from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. if you couldn't tell. Um, Hemingway's original instructions were... Pour one jigger absinthe into a champagne glass. Add ice champagne until it attains the proper, um, like, opaque milkiness. Mm. And then you drink three to five of these slowly. (laughs) What a goof. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of Ernest Hemingway. Mm Mm-hmm. So I mentioned this in our little Instagram video thing, mm-hmm. but the tutorial for this cocktail. Correct. If that you is haven't correct words gone to see it yet, you go check out on our Instagram. Get on our Instagram. <laughs> Ernest Hemingway mm-hmm. was gifted a, a a polydactyl cat. So this is a cat that has thumbs. This is what I'm saying. It started somewhere. Yeah, it's he a mutation. A, yes, it's like a weird mutation. He didn't make the no thumb cats. No, I've okay. now I've since Googled. Thank you. You've got... I know how evolution works. They they are a thing. Mm -hmm. And they were a big thing with sailors because they were like, one, they're a good mouser. They've got somehow the extra thumb. They believed that Mm -hmm. they were better at catching mice on the ship. Sure. That they were lucky. Really? And, (laughs) this is super stupid, that because they had these extra thumbs, that uh, they had better balance on the ship. Yeah, maybe. 
seems made up. I mean, don't you think with our hands that we're able or our toes? Do their thumbs touch the ground or are they like floating like a claw? No. I don't know. Anyway, it's a sailor thing. The sailor who was friends with Ernest Hemingway was like, I got you. And he got him a cat. Mm-hmm. And the cat had a name. I don't remember what it was. Uh-huh. But now. Thummy. Because, <laughs> because they're in Key, they're like in Key West, Florida. Uh-huh. His house is on an island. Mm. So you don't have all these other cat, like all, there's like 50 or 60 cats that live on this island with this house that was like, now it's a museum. But all of them trace back to that one cat, the original thumb cat. And so they all, there's like 50 or 60 thumb cats running around thumb this island. Cats. I want to go to the island. So people associate thumb Ernest cats. Hemingway with thumb cats because his house museum has so many thumb cats. I had never heard that before. Well, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> I have a friend who has a thumb cat. I was want where I first a cat. His cat's name was Thumbs. <laughs> See? Yeah. Thummy. It yeah. works because it's weird. Yeah. They look weird. Mm. It's unnatural. <laughs> okay. So that's my little side about uh, Ernest Hemingway and his thumbcats. But now I'm going to tell you about absinthe. Okay. Because it's in the drink and it's what made the drink taste bad. Perfect. Um, <laughs> so I pulled this absinthe stuff. This was a transcript from a podcast on Chemistry World. Mm-hmm which was from the Royal Society of Chemistry and everything super chemistry in there, believe it or not. Fun. Um, okay, so uh, absinthe resembles a liqueur, mm-hmm. but it is technically categorized as a spirit. Mm. And I don't know what the difference is between those, but that's if you're getting real nitty gritty about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drea, what color is absinthe? Yeah, like greenish. Mm-hmm. What's it smell like? Licorice. Yeah, the aroma you're smelling is mo- most likely anise. Bless you. <laughs> that's good do you remember when we did those stars of anise in another oh, uh-huh, drink uh-huh the star of anus oh yeah <laughs> yeah why hmm i don't think there's a connection well maybe i think so oh no anyway it doesn't matter um that's a part of it so absinthe is a distilled mixture of alcohol herbs notably wormwood is the big like absinthe one um and water so it was a big deal back in the day, and there was like a really specific way to drink it. So I'm going to now tell you mm-hmm. exactly how you're supposed to drink absinthe. With the sugar cube and mm-hmm. the fire, yeah. You put a shot of absinthe into your glass, mm-hmm. then you place a super special cool slotted spoon onto the glass, mm-hmm. then you put a sugar cube on the spoon. The purpose of this is to take... So why you do this is because the the absinthe itself is kind of bitter. So what you're going to do is once you've got that sugar cube up on that spoon, then you're going to slowly add ice water to the sugar. And as that gradually dissolves into the drink, kind of cascades off the spoon into the drink, um, it then gives it its milky uh, opalescence. Mm -hmm. It's a very chemistry-ish word. Um, known as the Lausch effect. Oh. Okay, so to be quick about this, in the 1860s, the French wine industry had to deal with an outbreak of these little, like, tiny insects that had attacked a bunch of vineyards. Oh, my God. So nearly half of the French vines and vineyards were destroyed by this, like, uh, phyloxera. Um, So absinthe supplanted wine for a time and was the drink of choice for many folks as it was flavorful and it was really cheap. Oh. So absinthe is like taken off. Do you think they started the bugs? I don't think they started the <laughs> bugs. They didn't start the fire. But then, so, and absinthe had always kind of had this little pocket as being a 
drink of artists like Van Gogh was into absinthe, Ernest Hemingway was into like it's a very bohemian. Yeah, like, well, there's it, like a ritual to it's it. It's always yeah. had its roots in artsy fartsy stuff. So it became the drink of choice, but then it lost its footing when the wine industry rebounded. Um, in addition to absinthe becoming the target of the temperance move it, movement. So you've got all these people in France, but also kind of globally, that are really anti-drinking. And they're, like, trying to have prohibition everywhere. So in 1905, there's a tragedy. And opponents will rail against absinthe. And they'll inflate its role in that story as a way of saying absinthe makes people crazy. Oh. And let's get it banned. Yeah. And they got it banned. Whoa. And that's why it's hard to come by and it's been such a thing. And that's also part of its allure is that it's this, like, mystical, dangerous, hard mm-hmm. to get um stuff so i will tell you more about that story when i tell my story <gasps> Ooh! so now i'm ready for you to tell me a story okay perfect um thank you jackie that was beautiful <laughs> um okay i'm gonna just jump right into my story um so it's february 1957 and a young man is out checking his muscat uh muskrat traps near a park and the park is like a little north of philadelphia Okay. And as he's walking through the brush, he sees this cardboard box. And from the outside, he can see that it is this, like, box that, like, it had, like, a bassinet on the side. And so, um, and he saw that it was, like, sold by J.C. Penney. So, it's, like, a really well-known, like, item. And so, he walks by and he looks inside and sees something wrapped in a plaid blanket. And when he looks closer, he can see it's the body of a young boy. Mm. And instead of running back into town to tell police, he continues hiking because he doesn't want his hunting traps to be seized by the police because legally you can't have them out there. So he's like, oh my God, there's a dead body, but like, I don't want to put myself out because I'm I'm, going to, I'm going to go do this other stuff. Then I'll report the body because then I won't get in trouble for, nope, nope. He just, he never reports the body. They eventually... Maybe he eventually comes forward because I know this Somehow part. Somehow they find yeah. out about him. Um, I am annoyed by that. Yeah, 100%. Because it muddies the water. You're like, I, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. But now you've 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 thrown a little thing into this story now that makes people question you mm-hmm. and question time. Like, yeah. Ugh. Um, so a few days later, a 26-year-old college student named Fre- Frederick. How many days later? A few days. A few days. A few days, yeah. Frederick uh, Bonice um, is driving down a road, and he (laughs) sees a rabbit running into the underbrush, and he thinks to himself, man, I love bunnies, and I know there are a lot of traps out there in this area, so I'm going to pull over and make sure this bunny is okay. Oh, my God. So so he pulls over, and so he starts um, going through the brush, and while he's looking around to find traps and to make sure the bunny is okay, he finds a cardboard box yeah and he looks inside and he sees the young boy and so he gets back in his car and he leaves and he doesn't call police i don't want to hear any more of your story oh (laughs) okay okay what in the world Uh uh-huh yeah because he didn't want like any interaction with the police he's like i don't want to involve myself in this i'm sorry but both these guys some there's something there's more to this story Mm mm-hmm 
But then the following day, Frederick does call the police. Who's Frederick? Which one? The the young college student. Okay. Um, and then he would eventually like volunteer to do a lie detector test, and he passes. Oh, okay. <laughs> that means nothing. Uh, Frederick um, did it. On the uh, put me on the record. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the police open investigation on February twenty sixth of nineteen fifty seven. Uh, the boys. Uh, they take the boy's fingerprints, and um, the examiner determines that he's between three to five years old. Oh, he's little. Mm-hmm. He's a little baby. Um, the boy's hair had recently been cut, and like really crudely, and they're thinking maybe he his hair was even cut after death, because when they found the body, there's clumps of his hair all oh, over okay. his body. Um, and there are signs of severe mal- uh, malnourishment as well as surgical scars on the ankle and the groin. What? And an L-shaped scar under his chin. Okay. Um, like, mm. maybe you don't know the answer to this. Yeah. Like he had had surgeries and these are scars, or like whoever did this, like, made surgical incisions? I'm not sure. They just said, they specified surgical scars. So it's not like someone okay. just wimbling nimbly was, Okay. I think it was from a surgery, possibly. Okay. Um, or somebody who knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there's no matches on the fingerprints and no one comes forward to identify the body. Um, so over the next several years, the case attracts tons of media attention in Philadelphia and Delaware, Delaware Valley. Um, over 400,000 flyers are printed by the Philadelphia in- uh, Inquirer. And they show a forensic facial uh, reconstruction of what the boy like might have looked like. And they put these flyers, like, in the police stations, post office. They even start including it in uh, gas bills for people. So they're, like, mailing out gas bills. Oh, crazy. And they're, like, including it. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the crime scene is, uh, searched numerous times by 270 police academy recruits and they find a men's blue, uh, corduroy cap, um, a child's scarf and a men's white handkerchief with the letters. That's so hard. Cause you're going to find shit in a park. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a little North of a park. So it's kind of like this brush area. Cause people have traps out there. It's kind of, it's kind of like wildlife area. Okay. Yeah. So that handkerchief they found, they had, um, the letter G in the corner and so they like uh-huh. start going down that path and looking at that and they're looking at the cap they found, but none of the clues lead anywhere. Uh, and the police start to get so desperate that they also distri- uh, distribute a post-mortem photograph of the boy. And so oh. they take the boy's body, they fully dress him and they position him in like a seated position and they try to make him look as lifelike as oh, possible. I kind of don't like that. Yeah, I like came across the photo and oh. I was working on this last night by myself in my house. And I was yeah. like, oh. Um, uh, but still nobody recognized him. Um, so there's a couple uh, working theories at this point. Okay. So it's a couple years later. Um, but in 1960, Remington uh, Bristow, an employee of the medical examiner's office, contacts a New Jersey psychic. And the psychic tells him to look for this very specific looking house. He's like, or she's like, this is what you're looking for. Okay. And so the psychic is actually brought out to the crime scene. And um, they're out there. They're looking around. And she actually wanders away from the crime scene and leads Remington directly to this foster home that is uh, like a mile and a half away from where the boy, boy was found. And it matches her description perfectly. Um, so Remington starts looking into the foster home. And um, he, uh, like, finds out that the foster home is ran by Ar- Arthur uh, 
Nicoletti and he sees that they are having an estate sale. So he goes and he sees like what's going up for sale and he sees this bassinet for sale. Oh, that is similar to the one sold at JC Penney, which, which is where the boy was found. So um, he's like still looking around and he also finds blankets hanging on a clothesline that are similar to the one that uh, the boy was found wrapped in. Okay. So Remington forms a theory that the boy is the child of the stepdaughter of the man who runs the foster home and that they either accidentally or intentionally killed the boy to cover up her pregnancy. Um, just despite this circumstantial evidence. Wait, 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 wait. What? They killed the kid years after he's born to hide the pregnancy? Yeah, just because... They didn't want him around. Yeah, they didn't want him around. Okay. Yeah. Um, because she, she was, like, unwed, and so they're like, Got we it. have to kind of figure out what to do with this boy. Um, but despite circumstantial evidence, the police are not able to find many def- uh, definite links between the boy and the foster family. Um, in it doesn't ne- help that a psychic got you there. Yeah. But it's crazy that she matched is- up the house. Yeah. But, like, did did she do homework? And she was like, are there foster care places around this part? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you never know what the other half of it is. True. Very true. Um, in 1998, Philadelphia Police Lieutenant Tom um, Augustine, who was in charge of the case at the at this point, inter- interviewed the foster father and the stepdaughter whom he had married. Ew. And the foster home investigation is officially closed. So they're like, there's some weird stuff going here, but we don't think you have any involvement it's with this It's creeping us out, so let's not look into it. <laughs> I don't think that's quite what <laughs> happened, but... Uh. Um, so then another working theory comes up. So in February of 2002, a woman identified as M contacts police and says that her abusive mother had purchased the unknown, unknown boy. What um, in the world? Mm-hmm. And she said that his name is Jonathan. And um, her mother had purchased him from his birth parents in the summer of 1954. And um, that over several years, the boy was subjected to extreme physical and sexual abuse. Mm. And one night during dinner, um, the boy's eating baked beans and he starts to vomit for whatever reason. And so um, M's mother starts beating him for vomiting. And she starts to slam his head against the floor until he's like semi-unconscious. Um, and then they give, um, they like take him to the bath to like clean him up. And during the bath, he dies. And the thing about this theory is that during the coroner's examination of the, of the boy is they found baked beans in his stomach. Okay. And his fingers were wrinkled from being wet. And these details were never shared with the public. Okay. Um, so M's mother, um, so M said that her mother then cut the boy's really long hair and an effort to conceal his identity. The story's linking up so mm-hmm. far. And M's mother forced her to dump, uh, to help dump the body. And so she said that they went out in the car and they parked. And when they were preparing to take the boy out, a motorcyclist pulled up. And he was like, hey, like, are you ladies okay? Like, do you guys need any help? Yeah. And the mom told M to, like, get in front of the car so the driver's uh, license plate couldn't be seen. Okay. And she convinces the guy that they're fine, and the guy drives off. And this account of what happened um, actually matches this confidential testimony given by a man in 1957. Whoa. And so, in spite of all this, police are unable to verify M's story. What? M's, um, so M's neighbors who had access to the house during this time denied that there had been a young boy living there and dismissed M's claims as ridiculous. 
Do you remember how that girl lived in that tent in that dude's backyard for mm-hmm. 25 fucking years? Mm-hmm. That family who had those 13 children ah! locked up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then M also has um, a really long history of severe mental illness, which led them to believe that she was making everything up. Which is hard for me to believe because there's so... There's too many details. There's so many details that she... There's no way that she could have possibly known that. And there's like... Like now, again, you're also dealing with the 50s. Mm-hmm. Now, they would go in and they would scrub that house. They would find a hair from that boy. They would find... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah. If a kid lived in a house, you can't uh, erase, erase that. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just... Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, now, what? So, the boy's identity is still I want to hear your story again. Now I'm excited again. Remember when I told you to stop telling me your story? Yeah. I'm I'm in. I want to know more. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so the boy's identity is still unknown. To this day? And the case remains unsolved. This is the end of your story. Almost. Yes. I'm So annoyed. right when you were getting back into oh, it. Oh, Drea. <laughs> I told you you weren't going to like it. Okay. So fast forward a little bit. In August of 2018, Barbara Raventer, um, she's the genetic uh, genealogist who helped to identify the Golden State Killer oh. using a DNA profiling technique, uh-huh. said that she is using the same method to try to identify the young boy. Awesome. So she's she's been working on that for a couple of years. Okay. Y- uh, you listened to Bear Brook? Yes, 100%. If you haven't listened to the Bear Brook podcast. Turn our podcast off now and go listen to Bear Brook. It is so good. You don't, you think you know what's going on when uh-uh. it starts. You have no idea. Mm-mm. Twists, turns, alley-oops. It is I, one of the best true crime podcasts ever made. 100%. It's so good. And it highlights a case that changes how people process, like, it was a landmark case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your book is so good. Yeah. And I had no idea about any of that stuff before I listened to it. Mm-hmm. Do you remember I was listening to it in the office and I kept popping out? And I was yeah. like, can you believe? Well, because I was look, I was going to go on a, I, it was a, one year ago today. <laughs> I was going to be going to Tahoe for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to like download. I need to have a podcast, podcast to listen to. And so I, I think I was on like the podcast subreddit. And I told you, I was like, I just heard about this one. I haven't listened to it yet, but everyone's saying it's great. Mm-hmm. And then you couldn't stop. Popping out to tell me how great it was. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, beer book's good. Um, so Barbara's working on his case, and then um, I don't know, Vidiak, V I D O C Q, Vidiak. Okay. So there's this society called Vidiak Society, and the members um are like crime solving oh, um like people. They it's okay. a club, and they meet every third Thursday, every third Thursday of every month in Philadelphia. And they are urging anyone who is 55 or older to ask friends and family in the area if they remember a young boy um, from the, like, early 1950s. His name possibly could have been Jonathan, living in or within a 40-mile radius of Philadelphia. And they are also hoping for any tips from current or retired physicians who may have treated a young boy mm-hmm. for a condition that would have left scars in the in, those in the groin area of the ankles. Um, if you have any information, um, head over to americasunknownchild.net. Um, yeah, let's let's try to get this case solved. Yeah. Yeah, because he would have been um, 68 years old this year. That's wild. Yeah. And um, he's known as the boy in the box. Mm. 
And he was originally buried in Potter's Field, but in 1998, they had to exhume his body so they could get a mm-hmm. DNA sample. And he was reburied at Ivy Hill Cemetery um, in Cedarbrook, Philadelphia. And, like, uh, they donated a really large plot to him. Okay. And the coffin and the headstone and funeral service were donated by the son of the man who had buried him originally in 1957. Oh, wow. And the grave has a large headstone with the words, America's Unknown Child. And the city residents um, go there often, and they bring flowers, and they bring a lot of stuffed animals. Um, So that's the story of the boy in the box. I can't believe two people came across his body and didn't say anything. I know. One is like kind of, normal's not the right word, but kind of normal. Two is quite a coincidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, young men out by themselves. I know you don't, yeah, like if you have nothing to do with it, you're like, I don't want this getting pinned on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, get, I get that. Yeah. And like, I don't know their nationalities. I mean, with the yeah. 1950s being what they the were. Or... Yeah. Hmm. Um, it's but... like in cereal when you got that weirdo guy out there taking a piss. I know. What's that guy doing? Being a weirdo. Um, quickly, I want to do my references. I didn't want to do it up top um, just because you would know what I was talking about. Um, but Wikipedia, as always, thank you so much. Um, an article by Katie Serena uh, called The Boy in the Box Inside the Creepy Unsolved Mystery. Um, also, another article by Hillary uh, Shenfield, The Boy in the Box. Will 2019 be the year we get answers about the famous unsolved murder? Ah. And I didn't read the book, but David Stout, who's a former New York Times reporter, um, wrote a book called The the boy in the box the unsolved case of america's book. Un- unknown child yep yeah mm. so if you were interested in this there's, case there's stuff there's stuff for you um but yeah that's the story crazy um we're gonna take a quick break refreshing our cocktails with something different and we'll be right back wait a second before the break what was your tie oh oh, oh sorry okay so don't hate me it's kind of loosey-goosey um but death in the afternoon just death it was just death. Oh, Andrea. I'm sorry. I just really <sighs> wanted to do a story without any constraints. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he might have died in the afternoon. That's true. So you're saying my tie is really good. It Like, super accurate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. Now we'll see you after the break. Hey, guys. It's mid-roll time. That mid-roll. Mid-roll. We're going to tighten up that mid-roll. So tight? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Bro? Mid-roll. Tighten your mid-roll. Oh, That's I was she's, lo- she's pointing at her tummy. That's funny. <laughs> Radio jokes. Um, okay, guys. At the top of our mid-roll, we always like to thank our sponsors. So thank you so much, Sunny Day Projects, Kaylee, and Ashley. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You made this episode happen. Thank you for being a friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Golden Girls. Do we have to pay them royalties? Oh, shit. No, no I like ram around it. Yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that's common. <laughs> that's a common tune. <laughs> yes. Um, in case you guys uh, don't know or want to tell your friends and family about our podcast, um, we do need uh, some more donations. So if you are able, head over to our website, killercocktailspodcast.com. But what if you're not? What if you're? it's tight times? I believe me, I know where you're coming from. If you have tight purse strings right now and you're saving up for Christmas presents or what have you. It's early. 
it's practically Christmas again. <laughs> oh my God, stop it. Um, you can head over to iTunes and like subscribe and review. Yeah. Every little metric helps us Doesn't to get. Doesn't cost you nothing. Throw on a star. Yeah. Biggity, biggity. Help our algorithm get to the top. Thank you. Um, if you guys really like our show and are in the area or willing to travel, we have another live show coming up. Oh man, the live shows are fun. They're super fun. We come alive. We do. Yeah. I feel like they're way tighter. Like uh-huh. our store, like we're just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kimberly definitely appreciates There's that. There's no editing. So we got to just be on our game. Um, we don't have the exact times yet, but so far we have, it will be at Gompers Distil- Distillery out in Redmond, Oregon. It will be on March 27th. And I'm guessing it's going to be in the later time of the day. Here's what I'm going to say. Uh-huh. I'm going to do a little travel Oregon right now. Yeah. It doesn't matter what time it is. Get here early and enjoy beautiful Central Oregon. Bend is fun. We're talking late March. Who knows? It could be snowing. It could be gorgeous. You could go climbing. You could go skiing. You actually could go skiing, mountain biking, and then go climbing. And hit the river. All in the same day. Kimberly and I, give me a, we're going to, give me some skin. Why don't I get skin? Because you're not a part, did you want to be a part of our four activities in one day? Yeah. Oh, are you serious? Give me skin. Oh my God. Give me skin. <laughs> I can't believe you've never jumped in when we've talked about this. You've never talked about and this. And you don't do any of those. Sp- you do some of those sports. You made plans without me. I'm so sorry. Ooh. Okay. Dre is obviously a part of our <laughs> awesome four activity day. Yeah. yeah. And should you come visit Central... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Should you come and visit Central Oregon, Mm -hmm. there's so many things you could do. That's the whole point. All right. Um, And then a big shout out to Larissa. Um, In case you guys don't know, in the very beginning of our show, um, when we were un bibis... Oh, petite bibis. um, She made us this amazing gift basket that we entered in for like a a drawing that we we had. We learned all about international shipping. Oh, yeah. And shipping alcohol. With our our wonderful Canadian listeners up there. Yeah. But anyways, Larissa is coming down for the live show. She already booked her hotel and we're going to see her on March 27th. We're going to cheer some beers. Super exciting. Um, So if you want to join all of us, make sure you book everything now. Make sure you take the time off. Yeah. And we'll see you at the live show. Bye. Welcome back. Welcome. Uh, I'm going to tell you a story, Drea. Yay. I alluded to this story earlier. You did. You left me on a little cliffhanger. Yep. Uh, this one, mostly uh, my boy Wikipedia, Atlas Obscura website, and a uh, funky... It's just a bunch of gobbledygook in an address, so if people are curious, they can go onto our website and get my last source. Oh, perfect. Uh, it'd be very difficult for me to just try and say. Um, HTTP http dot https <laughs> colon forward slash forward slash <laughs> d-r-v-i-t okay um i'm gonna tell you uh-huh. about jean lanfrey okay probably butchering that name a little bit looks like jean lanfrey <laughs> uh but it takes place in switzerland so i'm gonna go with jean uh this is in 1905 mm-hmm. it's an oldie there you go um, so in 1905, Jean is a 31-year-old laborer, and he lives with his wife, his two young children, and they have another on the way. So his wife is pregnant. They all live on the second floor of this farmhouse in a town I can't pronounce in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And on the first floor are Jean's parents and his brother. So they all live in this big farmhouse on a vineyard. 
And on August 28th, Jean gets up at his normal time, gets up at 4.30 in the morning, um, per the usual, has his regular shot of absinthe mixed with three parts water. Um, and he gets into a squabble with his wife for a little bit. He wants her to wax his boots. She doesn't want to. <laughs> They've been fighting a lot because he drinks a ton. Uh-huh. Of absinthe? Okay. Is that your tie? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Kimberly, why are you spinning around? <laughs> yeah. So he drinks absinthe every day. That's the tie. Thank, nice. you for, thank you for catching that. I'm here for you. And okay. So he's he drinks a ton. He's fighting with his wife. She doesn't want to wax his boots. <laughs> then... <laughs> uh, then he goes out, so he's with his dad and his brother, like they go out and they're working in the, the vineyards. But he's not slaving away all day because he manages to consume no less than five different types of alcohol. Whoa. He has seven glasses of wine. Whoa. Six glasses of <gasps> cognac. <clears throat> one coffee laced with brandy. Two creme de menthes. And two glasses of absinthe. And a partridge and, and a pear tree. Wait, what? Oh, he also has a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. What? That is... That's a lot of booze. And he's walking? Yeah. Damn. That just shows you the extent How, of his drinking. Yes. Yeah. So wow. he returns home and he's super drunk. And then uh, this is when he has the coffee with the brandy because he's like sitting down with his dad and they're going to have this coffee and this brandy. So uh, he's drunk and he's in a bad mood and his wife wouldn't wax his boots earlier. So he's mad at her. Mm -hmm. And a fight erupts between those two because she's like, hey, can you go milk the cows? And he's like, you go milk the cows. And she's like, I'm pregnant. And so like, that's the fight. Yeah. And Sean just explodes out of no, like his dad is there. He's like, he just flipped a switch and went nuts yeah and he goes and he gets a rifle and he shoots his wife in the head she dies almost instantly yeah the dad is screams the dad's like what runs yeah like, i need to go get help something's like dad runs away yeah then the four-year-old daughter comes into the room <gasps> and she sees her mom oh. and he shoots the daughter oh then he goes in to their youngest to the crib no and shoots no, the baby no. in the crib then he turns the rifle on himself and he tries to shoot himself and like they can tell he struggled for a long time he ended up getting like string the barrel was too long yeah and he ended up getting like string to try so he shoots himself in the jaw but he misses his brain oh so wait he he shot his dad his dad ran away. His dad ran away. He shoots okay. the wife. Yeah. Dad's like, what? And yeah. runs away. Oh, my God. Then he, ki he kills his kids uh, and tries to kill himself. Oh, my God. So, but he's not dead. So they, the, oh, he, and he grabs the youngest, I think. He grabs one of his kids and he goes to the barn. Who hasn't died yet. He, it's a dead, it's his dead child. Oh, my God. And he goes to the barn and he just like, he intends to just bleed out from his jaw. Great. And then he doesn't. And then they find him and they save him. So then he goes on trial for losing his shit and killing his yeah, whole family. Yeah. And the trial doesn't last. So this is the whole, everyone is obsessed with the absinthe that he had that day. Mm -hmm. And that it made him nuts. Not and all the not 24 all other liquors. those other yeah. drinks. Yeah. And he drank absinthe every day. So yeah. it's not even like... Anyway, but so they're like, this is the story. So everyone latches mm -hmm. onto this and uh, he's 
found guilty and he ends up hanging himself in his jail cell like to like what Whoa. they said is like when they took him in and he saw the bodies of his family like he lost it and he was just like i didn't do this tell me i didn't do like he obviously blacked out and has yeah. no memory of it yeah and was super distraught and ended up killing himself so at that point so you know people can plead insanity like mm-hmm. at that point because he's obviously under the influence like would you consider that like manslaughter or like i don't know because this is so long like this is back in 1905 so if mm-hmm. this happened right now if it's mm-hmm. like 2020 mm-hmm. and the same scenario takes place and I'm on that jury, mm. I, I think what I'm, yeah, I'm going to, I would have a hard time putting him to death. Mm-hmm. Like capital punishment for that. I would need a little, I'd have to have like, what is the law? How do we apply it? Like that would, because right now that doesn't feel like I would do that. Um, but I don't like the, I don't like the answer of, they're not a danger to society because he only had these feelings about his family and he killed mm-hmm. his whole family. So yeah. now he's, I don't agree. Like, yeah, you still have agree. to, you still, yeah. Pay for those crimes. Yeah. That, and yeah. like, what's to stop you from getting back on the sauce and doing that again? Like, yeah, 100%. You know, so I still, I think he did it. There's no question that he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you just get to be locked up forever. Yeah. I don't know that I would capital punishment that. Yeah. I don't know. I think I fall in line with you. It's just because, it doesn't sound like he was in his right mind. Something triggered him. He was under the influence, but he still did it. He still did it. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. It's and so that, sad. So that is essentially kind of what kicked off the real, like after that happened, mm-hmm. like the banning of like the prohibition of yeah. absence. Wow, that's crazy. That's so sad. It's so sad. Thanks, Jackie. You're welcome. That my bummer to you. <laughs> All right, time for some self-care. Yeah. Drea. What's up? I want to have a a low light and a highlight. We'll do low light first. Okay. And a highlight for the last week or so. Oh. Okay, I got two low lights. Okay. First of all, um, you know, you sometimes you get sad and you're like, maybe I need to change up my life, you know? And then so I started thinking about like, because my, my uh, what is it? My house, what is it? When you, your lease is up. My lease is about to be up. And I was like, maybe I should live in a van. Maybe this is my opportunity. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save money. I'm going to buy a van. I was like, Drea, you could barely camp. Like, what are you going to do with a fucking van? And I was like, nah, let's look at these prices. And then I started going through Oregon van prices for a solid hour. So that was fun. Of all the people (laughs) I know. Don't take offense to this. Okay. Of all the people I know. You are the last person (laughs) that I would think would become a van lifer. And maybe, maybe that's the reason you should. Yeah. And that you'll have this rebirth as mm-hmm. a vanner. I, I'll, I'll help you in all the, I'll help you. That's so nice. I think you need help, I'll help you. <laughs> oh, I do need help. <laughs> no, I think so many people have told me no, and it looks so fun that I'm like, I'm, I'm going to do it. I, why don't we just go camping more often? Okay. I think you can get the parts that you want out of that lifestyle that aren't, freezing in a van in the snow but then i was like i can save money i can go travel i think once i pay off debt and like you know maybe i become an adult just a little bit more live your dream man (laughs) and then i'll be a van lifer all right (laughs) um my second low light is people at the office 
are eating other people's food from the fridge. This is a, a resurgence of an old problem. It's so mean. This was an old problem and everyone knew who it was. Mm-hmm. And we all just... I don't even... Bleh. Well, so Haley was like, blah, 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 my creamer's gone. And then someone else was like, my vegan nugs are gone. And then I was like, oh, that's so sad. And I went to go get my peanut butter. My peanut butter that has Dre everything on the top. I asked you where your name was. Uh-huh. The fact that your name was on the lid means there's no excuse. With a smiley face. With a smiley face. And then on top of that, I open it and it's been... Empt- it's empty. Completely It's scraped. empty. You should post a picture to our Instagram. Oh, 100%. Of your scraped out peanut 100%. butter. 100%. I will post it. They scraped it clean and then put it back in the hidey place that I had put it in on the door behind other things. I can't wait to find them. (laughs) I'll find you. No, Megan and I were talking about we have corkboard. We have red string. We are going to figure this out. (laughs) We're going to build a murder board at at work to figure out. It's so rude. It's so selfish. It is. It's not our values. That's what it's not. I'm so sad. But anywho, if you guys have ever gone through this, I am feeling your pain with you. Yeah. Don't eat my food. One, I'm really weird about food and territorial. I don't know why. You are weird about food. I I was a single child. You eat eat (laughs) like someone took your food all the time. Yeah. And they gave me tons of food. You tell me stories about a time that someone bought a sandwich smaller than what you wanted. My father, when (laughs) I was eight years old, was like, I'm going to go get Subway sandwiches for y'all tonight. The fact that this still (laughs) sticks out in your brain. And I was like, cool, this is my order. I want a foot long roast beef, blah, 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 blah. He comes home. Good order, kid. (laughs) With a six inch. I'm starving. I'm eight years old. I'm a growing gal. There's no way. He was probably going a foot long is not appropriate for this size body. I always got a foot long. <laughs> Anywho, uh, those are my what's little... the highlight? Oh, um, <laughs> what's working well this week? Kimberly and I meal prepped. Yeah, and by we I mean I was at work and she made the food and it was fantastic. <laughs> and uh, mad props to Kimberly because she's amazing. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And we're we're doing this like transformation challenge um, through our gym right now, which is super fun. Cool. Um, and we're milk prepping and I'm just really excited to start that journey with her. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. In case you guys don't know, we also have a business, uh, Kimberly and I. It's called Mom Nutrition. And we do uh, fitness and nutrition counseling. What so. did you say? What? What did you say? Mob. Oh, I hate you. you. That's why Kimberly looked at me. Because it really sounded like you said mom. <laughs> mob with a B. Sounds like you have a cold. Mob. Mob. <laughs> anyway. It's a good, you should check them out. I think what you guys are doing is really cool. Another low light is Jackie <laughs> making fun of me. <laughs> um, no, I'm really uh, stoked for mob nutrition <laughs> so yeah what about you jackie highlight low light um my highlight is i went cross-country skiing yesterday mm-hmm. and that was super fun yeah um oh, oh no bigger highlight <laughs> i fixed the rear wiper on my forerunner oh, yes you told been me driving all about me crazy that. for months so what I, like it would move it go wipey 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 but it would be an inch off the glass and yeah. it wouldn't do anything so anyway, I pulled, I got out tools and I pulled it off and I 
got it all cleaned up and put it back on and it works you so should. i'm stoked on it i feel like you could live that man life <laughs> yeah but i, I mean, yeah i also like comforts amenities yeah yeah what about low light um i feel like you live that high life yeah i know it's really hard uh um i feel like <laughs> i feel like i was tired the other day <laughs> Uh, okay (laughs) i'm a little sore from skiing Uh uh-huh i don't know nothing bad happened last week jackie (laughs) this is my highlight that your week was so amazing that's rad when i lived with kim and griffin every day i come home from work they'd be like how's work i'm like it's great they'd be like dude nobody comes home from work every day and it's like i had a good day today yeah it's like it, you worked with me. I you would you wouldn't think I would get home and I would go. I had a wonderful day. No, because I'm raging the whole time. It's my favorite. part I of get my day. so annoyed by so many little things, but you, you just gotta ha- you have to have that little yeah, like a volcano a pressure valve. Uh-huh. You gotta let it out. Mm-hmm. And then everything's gravy. Yeah. So that's that's where I land. Just aggressively say what bothers you all the time i like it (laughs) in a professional way Uh, obviously yes yes um you guys this has been another week of killer cocktails thank you again to all of our sponsors oh thank you you've been amazing and we'll see you next week thanks for tuning into this week's episode of killer cocktails as always on our talent was jackie andrea uh, be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast or stop by our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, for up to date information, photos, contests, and more. Our logo was created by Michelle Firm, whose amazing art can be found at MichelleFirmDesign.com. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlus, and we'll be back next week on hashtag Murder Mondays. <laughs> 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 <laughs>